Hey, everybody. Welcome to the AD Insider Podcast. My name is Pat Cohan. I'm very excited to bring you Dr. Lee Dortfeld of the University of South Florida as we discuss how to build a mental health support system for high school athletes and coaches. Now, this podcast is brought to you by the Clubway Coaches Directory. They're the team that's been connecting coaches and administrators for over 60 years. So if you haven't already, download their app so you can connect with any scholastic sports professional anywhere. Finally, if you do enjoy this podcast, please check us out on social media where you can follow everything we're doing here on this podcast and on our website, athleticdirectorinsider.com. Thanks again and hope you enjoy. Dr. Lee Dorfeld. Really excited to bring in Dr. Lee Dorfeld from the University of South Florida. Now, Dr. Lee is a licensed mental health counselor, certified mental performance consultant, and is in charge of the behavioral health and sports performance for the USF Department of Athletic Medicine and the USF Athletic Department. So a a big role. He's also part of the Sports Psychology Registry for the United States Olympic Committee. And we are so thankful you were able to join us. Thank you, Lee, for popping in and talking to us here today. Oh, my pleasure, Patrick. I love to talk about this stuff, and it's really important. And in this day and age, to get the opportunity to kind of share with people what we're doing, why we're doing it, and and how people can help our student athletes at all levels, I think is a great opportunity. So thanks for the opportunity to jump on and kind of share some of what I do and get some stuff out there for people that hopefully will help our, our student athletes at all levels and coaches as well. Well, I'm fired up. I love your energy. I've seen you talk at a several different conventions and always enjoyed the conversations that we've had in the hallways and excited to bring this to our audience. You know, one of the things as we kick this off, it, I'd love for you to define kind of the difference between mental health and sports psychology, because talking to you, they almost seem one and the same sometimes. So first off, I think one of the things that we got to take a look at is the fact that for human beings, there's not a lot of difference. Performance is what we do and mental health is part of who we are. I think what's happened traditionally is we've split these two things in half and talked about you know, mental health being more traditional in the terms of, of counseling and diagnosis and, and treating mental illness. I think we're moving mental health in the way of overall wellness and prevention of mental illness as well as treating mental illness. What we've done on the sports side is, you know, for a lot of years, sports psychology was things like working on focus and concentration and visualization and how to how to really, really get um, athletes at at all levels, but especially at the elite levels to be able to, to master emotional control and things like that, but not taking and encompassing the whole human being into what we're talking about. So what we've kind of tried to do and what's the movement in the field, in my opinion, right now is, you know, it's kind of like we need to look at the person holistically, and that is how we perform and what we do and how we live our daily lives is really important. And our mental health is as important as our physical health in those ways. Just because you can't see something going on on the mental side doesn't mean it's not there. I think there's a lot of energy towards that right now. And I think that's where we can't really separate them too much anymore. I think that makes a lot of sense. I, I think it makes it a lot easier to, one, for the professional to be aware of when something's wrong, but then two, to open up when something really is wrong. On the sports psychology side of things, you're there to help them through performance. But then when emotions get into play, you're there to help manage all the situations that they're dealing with. Uh, you don't just go see Dr. Lee when something's wrong. You you have somebody as a support system for all things 
mental and emotional, essentially. And I think support's a great word there. You, you talk about stigma and you talk about the idea of, yeah, you only go see Dr. Lee and you only go see Dr. Lee because there's something wrong. And it's like taking a car into the shop and getting it fixed. Human beings don't work like that. We don't, we don't, we're not broke necessarily and we don't necessarily get fixed. And the message that I like to use a lot with, with all the people that I work with is the idea of like, we all have stuff. We all have this life stuff that we have to deal with. And we have good days and bad days. And we have things that scare us. And we have things that hurt us. And we have things that stress us out. And the other thing that's really important in all of this, too, is the need for connection. I think one of the things that happens when you're dealing with any kind of, of negative situation, whether it be poor performance or whether it be a mental health issue is feeling isolated and alone when you're going through it. And the ability to connect with other people and the ability to recognize that that's kind of part of the human condition and you're not weak for it because that's the connotation. If you can't handle everything all the time, then you're weak and other people are strong. So there's something wrong with you. Um, I think that's where we got to really, really work to, to, to make, um, those two points. It's like, it's not you come in when you're broke. We do a lot of prevention work on every level. It's preventing things from going bad and it's teaching people how to connect in a healthy way. The same way you would go and get support or help if you have a physical situation. I'm stuck on your car analogy. In my head, I'm constantly thinking like, oh, you're the guy that changes the oil. You need an oil change every three to 5,000 miles. You need to go see Dr. Lee every, you know, three to five weeks, see how everything's going, make sure you can check in, have a connection. Well, look at a high performance vehicle. Look, look, look at some of the, the elite sports cars, right? They're the most fine tuned machines out there. I look at Formula One. Formula One's a really good analogy. For, for those kind of cars, they are always being tweaked. They're always being paid attention to. You don't want things to go wrong. And when they do, they're usually incredibly expensive and a big deal, right? So if we can keep our young people and our athletes at all levels as fine-tuned as possible, then we don't necessarily have to put them in the shop. We don't have to go for those, those things. It's like routine maintenance prevents bigger problems. I think that's the same in health and wellness. Yeah, but how do you do that in an athletic department? Because not everybody can have a full-time mental health professional on staff and traveling with the team and knowing the team. I mean, I know a lot of coaches get into a situation where all of a sudden a kid is starting to show signs of needing support and they are not qualified to have the appropriate conversations with that student athlete to, to be able to handle all that. You know, what, what does a high school do in that situation? I think in, in a high school, one of the things that we can do is start educating the coaches with some basic tools. We can teach them psychological first aid. We can teach them some of the basic tools that allow them to have a different conversation that, than a coach-player relationship and say, listen, we're going to arm all of our coaches, maybe even make it a requirement that they go through a two-hour training on, on mental health prevention and, and psychological first aid and say, listen, this is how you approach a, a young person that you think may be struggling. Here's how not to come off too intrusive. Here's how to create an environment within your team where people can come forward and ask for support. And I think that's an incredible thing to, to coaches to add to their bag. They are incredibly important in the young people's lives that they interact with on a daily basis. If we can arm them with some tools that then allow them to 
build a bridge towards getting those people that need help and support the help and support that they need, I think that would be an incredible start. I use a thing called the three R's. It's kind of like recognize and refer appropriately. So my three R's are kind of like, first thing you got to do is recognize what's going on, that there's a situation. The second thing you need to do is have a, a conversation in which you're able to just kind of express concern. And then it's kind of getting that referral off to, to where that needs to go, whether that's in a high school, not in a high school, through a high school guidance counselor, through nurse or, or medical people that are involved with those teams. I think that's kind of where that goes. But sometimes isn't the coach the right person to have the conversation because of the connection that they have instead of, oh, you have an issue? Go see Dr. Lee. You know, that, that immediately ruins the trust that that coach has built. Well, that doesn't ruin, but that coach has built the trust up to where maybe that player came to them and said, hey, I really want to talk to you about this. And for them to deflect and say, well, you know, there's an issue here. You should probably go talk to a licensed professional. I'm sorry, I can't help. You know, what does that do to an athlete? I think it depends. I think first off, I, I don't I I think the word deflect probably is 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 something that we of course don't want to do. But I think the initial conversation, if it is with a coach, and that's it can be managed in that way. I want the coach to be feel comfortable enough to be able to create that environment, but at the same time, you you don't want to put a coach in a position where they're making mental health decisions on their players without the appropriate training. And they so don't I, want that. I mean, they, that, that's like the worst to go home and, and talk through that with your spouse about what do I do with this kid? I'm really worried for them. I, it, I've been there and it's not a fun, it's not a fun conversation. You are, you are scared for that kid. And I, and I think we're, that that's why we need to help our coaches a little bit too, because what happens is they're scared that something's going to go wrong. We all are scared about the, the worst thing that could possibly happen, which is obviously a suicide, right? We don't want any kid hurting themselves. We don't want any kid that decides to, you know, make a suicide attempt or God forbid, complete a suicide attempt. That's everybody's worst fear. And the reality is, is as long as they're talking to us and we're creating an environment in which they're able to, we're better off than when we don't. I worry sometimes when, when coaches out of their own fear kind of shut those kids down as well. It's like, I don't know what to do, and there's obviously something wrong with you, and you better go talk to a Dr. Lee or somebody else. And that may or may not be the right step at that time. So I think coaches consulting with mental health professionals is probably a good first step. Because you're right, not everybody has the resources, not everybody's going to be able to do it, especially as we get down you know, to the high school level. But we should be providing, as part of education in general, the resources for coaches to reach out when they need to so we can support the coaches that are supporting some of our kids. Great point. And two things on that. One, you mentioned you know, providing education and doing a two-hour course. I mean, is that a yearly thing? Uh, it's very popular for an athletic department to get excited or a school to get excited about a new movement or something that they need to do. And then they'll have a pop-up in-service about it or, or a class about it. But then it's gone until the next issue flares up. If you value it, then our young people start to value it. If you do it one time a year, they're not going to pay attention to it either. And I think that's how we got to start to educate our young people that it's just a natural part of, of what we do. And it's okay. You go back to, you mentioned the stigma part uh, before, and I want to come back to that for a little while. You know, it, it's unfortunately that right now it looks like 
mental health right now is probably where concussion was 20 or 30 years ago, where it was like, you know, it's probably not a good idea to play with a concussion. But we didn't know the severity. We didn't know the risks for CT and some of that kind of stuff. Unfortunately, because of, of very public situations, you know, athlete suicide has increased in, incrementally. And now it's kind of looking like it's growing even quicker. And we got to be in front of that stuff. And I think that's where, you know, we kind of get down to, you know, coaches at every level, teachers in the high schools as well. I'd love to get like teachers at the high school level. I'd like to get professors at the university level. Like if everybody buys in and maybe this is a little bit kind of a unicorn type of ideas, like if everybody buys into just kind of checking on each other and asking how you are and like just actually putting yourself out there, being a little vulnerable to say like, listen, I care about you enough to ask that question of how you are, not just walk by you every day. That little piece you never know when just asking how you are might be the one thing that somebody needs. Not to go off on too much of a rant, but that's kind of where that kind of lands for me. No, I love the idea of buying. And it kind of relates to what you're doing there at USF with the coaching staff to kind of check in with all of them. Uh, talk a little bit about that, what, what your round tables are like. I'm really glad you brought that up. We're actually getting ready to plan our second one. What we started to um, to do, we talked about it in the summer. I talked a lot with our coaches about what we need for our players and so on and so forth. But we can't forget that coaches are humans too. And coaches have incredible amounts of pressure expectations on them and stuff like that. And what I thought about doing was saying, listen, let's just put it out to all of our head coaches an opportunity to create a roundtable, a forum, a conversation, whatever it becomes kind of organically, where you all can support and learn from each other. Because yes, your sports may be different, but recruiting and the expectations for success and dealing with mental health stuff, which is which is a newer thing, or just dealing with how do you have how do you deal with not having a successful season and dealing with your assistant coaches and create a space where coaches can learn from each other in a safe space about what it is to be a coach because they can get pretty isolated out there as well. So we started it. We did it in the summer. We put it out to all of our head coaches and we got a really good turnout. We got a different group of male and female coaches across our sports and they came in and, and we met for, I think about two hours on, in the first meeting, just kind of talking about their experience of being coaches at the division one level. And they started to talk about some things that they, they deal with with their teams and some of the challenges of the young people that, you know, they're recruiting and bringing in right now. And it was really fun and really kind of exciting to hear them learn from each other. Well, what did you do in this situation where you had this type of, of issue with your student athlete? Or what happened with the fact that your spouse may not be a athletics um, employee or used to the athletic lifestyle? And when you're gone for so many hours during the day and when you're in season and you're locked in and you're coming home late and leaving early and how does that impact your life outside? And Some of the, the topics that the coaches kind of threw out there as things that really impact them and giving them the support. We talk a lot about you know, helping our student athletes, our young people grow and develop and do that. But I think that the coaches are a forgotten group in this way. And our coaches have really bought into it. And now we're getting ready. Uh, actually, this week, I had a, one of our coaches, you know, kind of come up with some ideas that he would like to bring up for the second meeting. 
And we're up to probably about half of our coaching staff, depending on who's on in season and who's not right now, that are excited to kind of throw ideas out there that are impacting them and their staffs. And just to get in here and, and do the same kind of thing, get support from each other and learn from each other, because I think that that makes them better too. Anytime people are sharing ideas on how to do things better, it's, it's beneficial for an athletic department. But I'm going to challenge you on this. When I'm listening to your answer, it almost just sounds like a little touchy-feely, like we just need a support group. You know, Does that really need to be a professional that does that? I mean, for you, how do, how do you measure your impact on an athletic department? Like, what, are, what are your metrics? What, how do you know you've been a successful impact to the athletes and the coaches beyond touchy-feely talks? It's a great, that's a great question. I think mental health in general, sports performance in general, like if you look at performance, it's wins and losses, right? If you look at mental health, it's uh, reducing the number of people that are diagnosed with serious mental health disorders, those kind of things. Uh, I'm going to stop you right there. Does it, does it have to be serious though? So, so let me go back. That's, I'm glad you, you declare, want me to clarify that. When I say serious, I'm using the words that serious meaning diagnosable a diagnosable condition. We all have anxiety, but not everybody has an anxiety disorder. We can all be sad. We can all get the blues. We can all have a bad day, but not everybody has major depression. So I think when we're talking about, and, and, and it's, a, it's a really in, interesting take on it is this, we want to do more preventative work so that it doesn't rise to the level of a, of a mental illness, right? A condition that is diagnosed that needs to be treated. And that, that's one of the things when you read some of the NCA stats that talks about, you know, 30 to 40 percent of student athletes are saying they deal with overwhelming anxiety at a given time. Does that necessarily mean a diagnosable disorder? And I think that leads into a, a piece of a discussion of, of how it's been treated in the past. And this is more of a college thing than a high school thing. One of the things is in the past, what would happen is student athlete would have um, be anxious for a little while or be down or be sad for a little while or whatever. And when it rose to the level of something that was either overtly recognizable or potentially diagnosable or scary, you would refer them out to the counseling centers to get treatment. And they would go over to the counseling centers and they would be treated for a mental illness and then either be maintained or die or, uh, cured or whatever needed to go on through that treatment, right? But the new models of putting people in-house and the new models of, of making it part of what we do just as a department is really about doing the prevention stuff. It's, it's me going out to, uh, I do a thing now called uh, Team Tuesdays, where I go out and see a couple of teams every Tuesday, whether I'm doing an intervention or education or I'm just being around or, or, or seeing practice or just interacting on kind of a non-formal kind of situation. You know, I go out and observe a practice and, and be out there and just kind of make it normal to have me around, which then makes it easier for people to ask questions that may be preventative of something that comes up. Or a coach says, I have something going on with my team that I'm not really sure. Can we do something on stress management? Can we do something on performance anxiety. So you have some of those opportunities. Um, and I think those are the kind of things that get at the daily stuff quicker 
than waiting for something to happen. So I'm really glad you brought that up. It's not just waiting till you get the, the diagnosis or the illness part. It is really about doing a lot of work on the front end. But does all this responsibility fall on the school? I mean, how much does a school have to invest and make sure that an athlete is, is doing okay emotionally? Are the schools supposed to raise the kids themselves? Why do we need coaches in sport? We need coaches because we got athletes that want to get better, right? So they need coaching and teaching and that kind of stuff. I think if we also start to look at, at some of the work that we're doing it is is coaching our young people on how to perform better and how to deal with those things. It's still teaching at the end of the day. I go back to like Coach Wooden. You know, he had some really, really great principles that, that he based all of his coaching on. And at the end of the day, he says, I'm just a teacher. I may teach basketball, but I'm a teacher. And I think at the end of the day, all of us that, that invest in our young people, our teachers, coaches, it's just about helping them navigate stuff that they don't know how to navigate, giving them the tools to be able to do it, guiding them when they need it, and creating the space for them to explore and figure out who they are to be them their best selves. And when you can create those kind of environments where they can do those kind of things and explore that stuff and get better, like that's the goal. Yeah, that's at the heart of all scholastic sports right there. Yeah, and I think I think that's what we always have to remember when we're looking at why do we invest in this and why are we putting money towards this or why are we having these conversations like you and I are having today? Because at the end of the day, growing up is hard. You know, we, we're going to be, I, I say this, we're going to be old longer than we're going to be young. But so much of what we have to figure out and, and decide and learn how to cope with happens when we're at like our youngest ages. And if we have people around us to help us do that. And especially back, you know, at the high school level, the, the involvement of parents and all of this kind of stuff. I think then we give our young people the best opportunities to go out and become their best selves. Man, you're going to regret bringing up parents because that's another hour to this podcast. Yeah, I'm going to do that another hour on that at some point with you. That's awesome, Lee. And I, I appreciate you taking the time. I, I will wrap it up here because I know we could keep going for, for hours and hours and it's a little later your time of day out there in Florida. But as a recap, I mean, well, actually, I'll give it to you. You know, what are the, what are the main things that an athletic director coming away from this podcast should should look into and, and really try to see how they can imp input them into their school for their athletes and coaches? I think I think the first thing that I, I would advise to, to a high school AD is first, let's look at the resources they have within their schools. Um I think, I think there's probably some teachers, some educators, some coaches that have some really good ideas and potentially some experience with that. But just starting the dialogue is the first place I would go. First step is having an athletic director call in the coaches and start to talk about what their knowledge bases are. What are some of the fears and things they have to deal with? What are some of the needs that they have? And doing basically a needs assessment for their individual department. I think the second thing is, expanding the conversation after that by bringing in maybe a, a, a mental a, a mental health professional to kind of give them some information about natural adolescent development, about some of the physical stuff maybe we're bringing in a, a physician. I think it's about providing the education. So it's assessment, then education, and then kind of building out a resource base from there. And like I said, I think there's there's an opportunity here for all ADs to have some connection to people in their communities 
that can provide these expertise to him or her when they sit down at the beginning of the year, when they do something over the summer, to start to look at how can we start to implement this stuff over time. It can't be about money all the time, and I don't think it is. Uh, we don't have the budget for an X number of thousand dollar position. Not a problem. You reach out to the community and you get some people that are, are really passionate about this work to come in and just and serve as a consultant. And maybe at the high school level, you're starting to do a um, mental health awareness week or you know, we have going on right now in the American Athletic Conference positive, uh, our Positive Minds Week, and we're doing a bunch of different things in all of our conference schools to do that. I think it's about getting that whole mindset of we want to provide something for overall wellness. We want to do prevention where we can. So I think, I think the AD just has to think about providing a, a forum and an environment to start the conversation, then surround it with the right people to be providing that education, and then slowly being able to kind of make it part of what they do instead of just a crisis reaction situation that most of them are used to. If, if we could just put that last two minutes just at the front of the podcast, it'd be the shortest, probably best podcast we've ever done. That was awesome, Lee. I appreciate you, you taking the time for this. I, I think the amount of just in the last two minutes, but also in this this conversation, the amount of information and resources and, and and actually applicable things. That's what I love about how you summed it all up. Those were really applicable things that any high school athletic director, with or without a budget for this, can can make a positive impact in the mental health side of, of their their school and their program. So I, I really appreciate the uh, you taking the time, and I I definitely think we're going to have you back on the show. Now, I again, Patrick, I always appreciate the opportunity to, to put some of this information. I love having conversations with you. You ask incredibly great questions. And, if you know, again, any support or information that I can get out to the masses that wind up helping, you know, our kids at any level is, is something I'm interested in doing and happy to do. I'd love to come back on, love to do whatever I can do to kind of promote this, this work in the area because I think it's important work. And I think at all levels, whether it's the AD, the coaches, the student athletes, the, the parents, as we as we kind of tipped off before, um, when we're all working together for the well-being of our young people, then we're all doing the right thing. So thank you. And I look forward to another opportunity to talk sometime in the near future. Thank you, Lee. And, and thank you for listening to the AD Insider Podcast. We're here to help athletic administrators see what others are doing to build successful athletes, coaches, and departments across the country. So please let us know what you would like to hear next. This is your show too. So just message us on social media or reach out to us on our website, athleticdirectorinsider.com. Also on that website, check out what we're doing. We, we put out clips every single week from conferences that we filmed across the country, interviews that we've done inside of schools, and, and showcasing what other people are doing because we think that's where we're going to grow the most and produce a better product for our communities. Until next time, I'm Pat Cohan. Keep making a big impact out there by bringing your best self to school every single day.